Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go away you fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. They let me out of the locked closet I was in last weekend. Blake, Iowa Gopher. Reporting live from Sad Valley. And you street. Hey y'all. So somebody, uh, I, I'm going to need somebody to fill me in. I, I chose to go hiking and enjoy nature and didn't pay attention. We beat Penn State, right? That's what happened? Chris, I, State. are you sitting down right now? I I am. They did. Minnesota did not beat Penn State. I, I'm sorry to have to be the one to tell you this, but uh, it very much did not happen. Quite the opposite, actually. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, you're telling me. Well, we did play a backup quarterback, right? Yes. And you're telling me with a backup quarterback and wide receivers that have struggled to get separation, and I'm going to assume offensive line play that was inconsistent again, we didn't win on the road in a night game whiteout at Penn State. And, I mean, if you can believe it, the redshirt freshman quarterback making his first start in front of 110,000 people was probably not in the top five problems in the game? I can 1 million percent believe that because that really hasn't been, the quarterback play hasn't been the primary problem all season. So that doesn't shock me. Okay, well, somebody break it down for me. What did I miss by not caring enough to watch that game? Interestingly, I would say you actually nailed every single problem in the game with the minor exception of also Penn State exploited the Gophers' cover two shell and linebacker failing to pick up a tight end on several plays. But other than that, I think you actually had a great summary of what happened. So you're telling me the problems aren't fixed yet? No, no, the the problems are not fixed. And I might go so far as to suggest that the problems will continue and probably get worse if the head football coach is unwilling to be a bit more flexible on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Give me a definition of what you mean by that. For my money, and other people on this podcast may disagree, Minnesota looked the best they looked in the game when they did the following two things. One, were a lot more willing to be risk-seeking. Ethan threw some fabulous passes. He threw some passes that were probably should have gone back shoulder and would have been receptions, but nonetheless, attempting to stretch the Penn State defense vertically. And two, when it was more up-tempo. So having to just kind of get up to the line and we're going to run something worked substantially better than the we're going to try and control the ball for as much as possible, we're going to bleed the clock down, we're going to look at the sideline, that may or may not say anything, and then we're going to do something. And a lot of the offense that we are going to run is going to be very risk-averse in that we're going to try and just run the ball, we're going to be very happy for getting four yards a play. We're not going to pursue different angles of attack to the offense. And I think that's a philosophical point at this, at this juncture. And the philosophy cannot be from purely our offensive coordinator because, A, we've seen said offensive coordinator open it up and let it rip. But also we saw an almost identical philosophy in many ways last season and the, uh, with the Mike Sanford experience. 
And so it's hard for me to believe that it is solely the offensive coordinator and not maybe also the head coach. Anybody else uh, feel like Fleck needs to stop being Jim Trestle? I mean, I'd just settle for some screen passes. You know, you're talking of Tom Tempo. That does sound good. But, I mean, just the passing game is not working right now. I mean, the, the book's out on the wide receivers. Like, they're playing press man coverage the past three games, and guys just aren't, aren't able to get out of it, aren't able to get open, create separation. And when you don't have to respect the passing game, I mean, you can load up the box and just run downhill. And we saw, I mean, they just, they blew up the offensive line regularly because they sent, you know, six, seven guys every time. Um, and that's, I mean, even with Mo, that's just not going to get you very far. And I mean, the offensive line's already struggling before you already load the box. So um, I think just yeah, being more creative in the passing game, getting more looks to Brevin span forward, he's probably your most physically gifted uh, pass catcher, maybe outside of. Dalen Wright, well, you know, when he plays, obviously he didn't travel Saturday and he's expected to be back this Saturday. But I mean, you've got a sure body guy like Brevin Span Ford with his athleticism and his size. I mean, why aren't you taking advantage more of that mismatch? I mean, I realize, you know, Ethan on Saturday didn't have much time sometimes. And I, to his credit, he extended some plays with his legs, which Tanner probably wouldn't have done. So credit to him. But um, yeah, I just think, and I hopefully we'll see it, they need to take a hard look at the offense they've tried to run these past few games and determine they just don't have the personality to do that and to try and think of ways to spark this offense and get guys open in space since they can't create separation on their own, which, you know, throw more behind the line of scrimmage, you know, come up with some screen passes, things like that. Um, just, yeah, just try something new. I think, I think one thing we saw the, the throw that was wide open most of the game was dropping the running back out into the flats, uh, sometimes in the vacated area, area vacated by a blitzing linebacker. I think we saw that against um, Wisconsin a lot last year. They did it once Saturday with Bryce Williams, and he had like a 20-yard gain. Um, a couple, there was a couple times where you saw Trey Potts wide open out there, but Ethan just didn't look that way, and that play was there all night, but just, they didn't take advantage. So, yeah, I, I definitely think hopefully they've done some hard looks in the mirror this week to – think of ways to just get outside what they've been doing so far. Andy, do you have other things that make you want to uh, throw items at TVs or have we all summed up the the problems that you're seeing as well? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was listening to the game. I didn't get to see it with my own eyes. Uh, I was listening to Mike Grimm and, uh, I was watching another game that we'll discuss later. Um, but, yeah, it, it, I mean, sounds like most of the thing is is they just are, are way too predictable on offense and for whatever reason are refusing to throw in a screen pass or do something to try and, and mix it up. Um, hopefully, you know, with a little bit of self-scouting, they can try and figure out what's going on. I think it's going to be even harder this week as you've got a defensive coordinator who's fairly – intimate with this go for offense as as i'm sure blake will describe here in a little bit so um you got a defensive coordinator who who pretty much knows what the potential of the minnesota offense is this week so yeah i do think kirk and pj are gonna have to get a little bit creative and try and figure things and not just stick with plan a because if plan a is what they're going with um it could be uh, it could be an ugly slog on saturday and um you know i don't think these fans are going to be real thrilled if if the gophers are trailing at halftime again because the offense just can't do anything so hopefully they can figure something out Blake I've decided to emulate Gopher Nation a little more this fall uh, which means I'm not reading your your prediction posts Uh, that's a Gopher Nation special 
Uh, I've been led to believe you think that we might lose to a Rutger. This is a, yeah, you've heard correct. Um, and I know I'm going to get called the pessimist. I've already been called the pessimist in our comments. That's totally fair. I, expe- I expected that. I anticipated that. Um, I just <clears throat> objectively I don't feel good about this matchup. Um, the biggest thing is their defense, which is coordinated by Joe Harris Miak, our former safeties coach and co-defensive coordinator. Um, he's having a, a pretty good year, honestly. Um, I think they rank sixth nationally in rushing defense, um, 29th passing defense, and then 32nd in scoring defense. Um, I mean that, that, and that defense has kept them in most games. I think the only real blowout they've had was against Ohio State, and I mean that's that's Ohio State. It doesn't really count. Um, so I mean they, they've got a really deep um, defensive front, like they're they're really good at stopping and run, and then they've got a veteran secondary. And I mean, just I, that that just doesn't seem like a good matchup for me. Like if you've got a veteran secondary, really that, that's you know had pretty good success so far against kind of an undermanned wide receiver core, and you had a defensive front that's pretty good at stopping the run, um, which is something Minnesota is obviously going to try and do uh, with Mo, even without the threat of a passing game. Um, and again, who knows if we're going to get Tanner Morgan or Ethan Kalikmanis this Saturday. I don't think it really matters um, based on the personnel. But um, so defensively at Rutgers, I, I think it's a legit, legitimately good defense. And I, it's tough for me to say that this offense is going to perform better against them than they have these past three weeks. Just, just I haven't seen that week to week improvement. You know, flex teams generally tend to get better as the season goes on. So it's been kind of a little disturbing the way this team has seemed to have gotten worse with each week, even though, I mean, the quality of the opponent has gotten better with each week too, but um, that doesn't excuse some of the mistakes um, they've made. But what's keeping Minnesota probably in the game is just how bad Rutgers offense is. Um, they actually have fired their def- their offensive coordinator um, six games in the season right before their bye week and promoted um, <laughs> one of the greatest names in college football, Nunzio Campanile. Tight ends, the Rutgers tight ends coach. He was actually that is that is a Rutgers coach name if I have ever heard a Rutgers coach name. And I think he's a local, like he's a Jersey guy. I think I mean, if you, I mean the name just screams it. He was actually the interim head coach when Minnesota last played them in 2019. That was when Chris Ash got fired. So this guy's been on the staff for quite a while. Stayed on when they hired Chiano, um, and so I think they've had one game with him. I think they played at Indiana last week, 124-17. Um, 24 points is, is, I think, their second most points they've scored this season. And I think one of them was either a pick six or a punt return for a touchdown. So offense, I think, scored maybe 17. But um, under their new offensive coordinator, or interim offensive coordinator, they've shifted more to trestle ball. They want to have, have a quarterback who don't, don't want to turn the ball over. Turnovers have been a huge problem for them on offense. Um, they want to run the ball more. They've got a good um, freshman running back. And last week, they kind of made him into the workhorse. He had season high in, in carries and rushing yards. So I think their biggest thing, too, is they want to hit their playmakers. They'll do a lot of jet sweeps with Aaron Crookshanks. Um, they've got a tight end they really like, and he was more involved in the passing game last week. So, I mean, it's hard to say – the offense was a huge success under their new offensive coordinator. I think it's just, it's a, not an offense is going to put up a lot of points. So I think it could be if it kind of the cure for what ails Minnesota's defense. You know, we, they got torched for a lot of explosive plays last week against Penn State. I mean, I'll be very discouraged if they give a lot of explosive plays this week, but um, we'll see. Yeah. So I think it's going to be 
a, a kind of a slugfest defensive battle. And yeah, just that Minnesota offense versus Rutgers defense matchup um, makes me nervous. I don't feel good about it. How far we have fallen when Rutgers is a game that you are predicting a loss. I am disheartened on your behalf, Blake. Thank, I am disheartened as well. Join the club. Oh, all right. Well, God, I'm going to actually, no, you know what? I am not going to let Blake's pessimism last until the end of, end of the episode. I need to know right now, Andy, do you predict Minnesota will win or lose to Rutgers? I think I, I do have them winning. I think it's going to be an incredibly ugly game on both hands, but um, I'm I'm still adopting the shame on you, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on you, fool me three times philosophy. And so this is this is number three. Go out and, and do it. And if you if you fail this week, well, then basically all faith is gone. The last month of the season, but. Uh, you know, I, I I do think being back at home for the first time since the Purdue game, I do think uh, that will help. I do think that um, I'm going to guess Tanner probably plays, whether that helps or hurts, depending upon your point of view. Um, you know, maybe he's just a little bit more of a calming presence at least. Um, but, I mean, that's the other thing is, is being at home with this pessimistic fan base, if Tanner – plays like crap in the first half, don't think that the fans aren't going to turn on him and want Ethan in a hurry. So uh, it could be double-sided, but I, I do think the Gophers win. Um, I hope it's it's not as ugly as I think it's going to be, but uh, it does appear to be a, a gorgeous fall Saturday, so you know that's going for us, question mark? Uh, Street, is your, is your prediction going to be the over-under for the amount of times the fans boo the offense? <laughs> <laughs> I will say generally, I don't think you should be your own team. And uh, word as as a rule, unless your team has done something obviously unsportsmanlike, just being bad is not a reason to do something. No, uh, my prediction is that Tanner Morgan will play, and I will probably be a bit frustrated by that. But that has more to do with the nature of both concussions and also at this point in the season, I actually think it makes sense to start the new regime. Uh, but I am not paid millions of dollars to win college football games. And so that is my prediction. And I am confident if it does in fact come to pass, I will be somewhat frustrated by it. Also, speak, speaking of booing, I don't want to go back to Penn State real quick, but I, I don't know if anyone else watched. I know Kristen watched the game. Andy listened to it. They were booing at the end. The Penn State's fans were booing near the end of the first quarter. I think they were not pleased by Sean Clifford. Well, apparently that. Well, one they 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 booed him when he was announced in the starting lineup, and then they booed the team. Oh, that's that's not cool, guys. Well, then then he he throws four touchdowns. Well, we they, they went the. Well, they went they went three and out twice, and the boos were crazy. And then, yeah, I think they scored touchdowns on their next four drives. And even Franklin, Franklin was just ripping into him. He talking about his press conference, you know, as Clifford was named Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week this week. As Franklin just like basically, he just gives a. It was a very pregnant pause when he's talking about about Clifford and about expectations, and it's like Big Ten Player of the Week. And just had he had if you you have to watch the video to get it, but he's basically calling out his entire fan base for like, hey, you idiots, this this kid just torched Minnesota, and you wanted him benched three games ago. It's like, 
What what's wrong with well, you? Well, to be to be fair, let's not use let's not use Minnesota guys. Like let's have some pride in yourself as a coach and not use Minnesota right now as your as your status mark for the for that he's doing well. Well, I would say that their frustration came from him not playing well last week against Michigan, which surprised. I mean, they're just not as good as Michigan this year, so that that's what carried over into this game. But also, yeah, just the fact that they'd boo him after one bad game. I mean, he's been there like six years now, so I think that they've got Tanner Morgan syndrome as well. Although I don't think I don't think Gopher fans have booed Tanner Morgan to my knowledge. I mean, they booed the team in general, probably I think Bowling Green last year and a couple other games maybe, but. Um, yeah, it's just I'm with Alex. I don't, or I don't think you should be booing your own team, especially in the first quarter. I mean, come on. Well, I think too the level of booing your own team has a, a larger point, which is, and even if they were getting paid, like actually getting paid, I assume Clifford has some nil, like actually getting paid. I think it's weird to boo your own team. But also, it's not, in this case, Sean Clifford's fault that he's playing. In the same way, to be clear, that it's not assuming he does play. It's not Tanner Morgan's fault that he's playing. Uh, Ideally, if he is playing, I hope he's incredibly successful because that's what's being a fan of the team. It's the coaching staff who is determining this. If you're going to complain about something, why are you booing Sean Clifford as opposed to booing James Franklin, the person who determines whether or not Sean Clifford plays? That sounds like common sense. I don't think you're allowed to use that. Clearly, clearly not. Well, regardless, I I have a feeling if the Minnesota offense comes out and looks as as awful as it has the last couple of weeks in the first quarter, you're going to hear plenty of boos at Huntington Bank Stadium on Saturday, whether they're deserved or not, depending on your point of view. uh, They're definitely going to show up. So uh, it'd be the best of both worlds if Minnesota could figure out and get their act together and, and try and actually get something moving so that we don't have to deal with that. I'm officially judging anyone who boos in advance. I'm sure that is going to make all of you feel terrible when you do it to know that I, a person you have never met more than likely, am judging you harshly for your behavior. I just can't wait till yeah, someone's going to be booing in the stadium and then like, they're going to stop themselves and say, hey, you know what? Go Ufer is really judging us right now. We need to, maybe we need to look inward and reflect on our actions. I want everyone to just imagine a very tall man in Zuba's glaring at them disapprovingly. Well, it is near Halloween, so it's always good to start our own horror film franchise. I mean, that that's what we should be doing. If we're talking about predictions, we should all be, you know, putting in our prop bets on how many costumes Goldie's going to go through on Saturday. Uh, over under is six. Over. Smash that over. Over. I'll 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 say at least double digits. You're gonna, you think he's going to go ten? Didn't he go ten last year? Shit, I it, was I ten, it was ten or ten or eleven. I was. You figure you get two per quarter plus pregame. Yeah, I think bare minimum he hits nine. All right, so for for the fan base, it would be over under over under eight since Andy is saying nine. So we'll, we'll say over under eight, which I think is far more reasonable than over under six. The water demon who hosts this podcast clearly would be a terrible bookie. Well, yeah. You should never take betting advice from me. This is a, that's a that's just an automatic. But also good for our horror movie franchise that sort of similar to like Pinhead back in the day, like the opening five ten minutes or whatever has our hero or heroine saying 
oh, I really wish I could bet on something, and then your Zuba-ness arrives with some sort of Cheshire cat grin beginning beginning the horror. Speaking of horror, at least I think some of you are feeling horror about the potential for what could happen next year. The 2023 schedule for the Big Ten drops, <laughs> and I, I didn't see, it didn't seem by the reactions I saw from some of you in our chat today that a lot of you seem displeased. I'm perfectly fine because I've chosen not to get stressed about things that don't control like a Big Ten schedule. But I, I saw six and six thrown out uh, as a, a hopeful thing. Uh, so, Blake, Andy, I want you to duke it out about what your thoughts are about who could be most pessimistic about next year's schedule already. I think Andy has already beat me there just based on our Slack alone. Um, my thing is like, that's next year, like with the addition of the transfer portal and everything, like teams can really change a lot in the off season. It's tough to know. I mean, we're only halfway through this season. We don't know how that's going to end up, you know, team, the teams in the first half of the season don't always like, they don't always end the way that they start. So like, there's still a lot of football left to be played. So, um, and we don't know who's going to be coming back next year for these teams and you know, who they're adding in the transfer portal. So, um, I'm not worried. I'm not, I'm kind of taking, I'm not worried about it. Um, I think obviously crossover matchups are a little concerning. You've got Michigan, Michigan, Ohio state. I mean, that's, that was going to happen eventually. I mean, Minnesota's had a pretty charitable, um, draw on a lot of these crossover games the past couple of years. They haven't had, haven't taken advantage and that's on them. So, I mean, eventually this was going to turn this way. Um, yeah, I mean, but I mean, to streets point at the beginning of the year, they could, Best case scenario is 12 and 0. So, worst case scenario, 0 and 12. It's going to be somewhere in between there. What it's going to be, I have no idea. It's bold, bold predictions. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that hit. I mean, so, I mean, yes, I'm already thinking the worst, basically thinking. I mean, when you think how many veteran presences we're going to lose on this team, and then, oh, by the way, your first game, kids, is live on Fox against Nebraska from the that, bank. That is not, um, I don't think, that's not as intimidating okay. as you see what think get, it is. I think, it, one, it's going to I'm be, confused. I'm confused why with uh, the games on that schedule, that's the game that, as you stressed out, Nebraska sucks. Well, I, that's, it's just, well, does Nebraska yes. suck? <laughs> yes, well, yes. Right. I mean, right Right now they do. Let's see who they hire as a head coach, and let's see what NIL does for them over the winter, just like what transfer portal may do us. But point being, the point still remains. It, it's That's probably a winnable game. Um, but, I mean, you do have a stretch where we go Michigan at home by at Iowa, Michigan State at home, Illinois at home, at Purdue, at Ohio State, Wisconsin at home. Now, as we said, things will change between now, now and this year. But you're looking at Kinnick, where I don't think we've won since, what, 1999. You've got Michigan, who doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime fast. Michigan State at home, hopefully. Hopefully Mel Tucker doesn't hit the portal and they don't get too big of a bounce back. Illinois, who's, I think, the favorite to win the West this year. And looking at their schedule is probably the favorite to win the West next year. Because their crossover schedule is stupid easy. Correct me if I'm wrong. Illinois loses some rather key pieces next year, right? Yeah, and I think that I think, their, I think their defense will get hit hard with some NFL guys too that aren't. Do they not also lose their running back and quarterback? They do. Well, I don't know about the quarterback. The running back will be gone. I here here's my theory on Illinois, and it goes back to we want to hate Brett Bielema, 
But Brett Bielma really knows how to coach, especially in the lines. And frankly, in the Big Ten, if your offensive line and defensive line are in the top three in the conference, you're probably going to be near the top of the standings by the time it's all said and done. And so I legitimately think Illinois' offensive line and defensive line will probably still be ridiculously good next year and giving teams fits. That, that's my my throwing it out there, but either way. Um, but yeah, finishing you know at Purdue, which needs to be a win, no matter Purdue's not going to reload that much. We just need to not suck against Purdue. At Ohio State, I mean... Sure, we could have the ghosts of 2000 show up, but let's be honest, the chance of that happening ain't great. Um, And then finishing off, obviously, with Wisconsin, which, you know, who knows where Wisconsin will be or who will be coaching them next year. So, yeah, 6-6 and might be a bit of a pessimistic look, but, I mean, I'm looking at the schedule, and I'm sure as hell not seeing 9-3 and either. So, I think our, you know... Are you seeing... Are you thinking more like ten and one going into the Wisconsin game, or? Yeah, yeah, that's that's that, that's probably better. <laughs> no, throw in the oh, and so this is the other thing other people were commenting on when when you saw the whole entire Big Ten schedule, including all the non-conference games. How the hell is the Big Ten getting away with this non-conference schedule in twenty twenty three? It's pathetic. You thought Michigan had a weak schedule this year. I think next year they play the little sister of the poor, the little grandmas of the poor, and and maybe a team they put together from like the grade school down the street. Yeah, everyone says that the little grandmas of the poor are weak, but I don't think people have really interacted with a lot of grandmas who are dealing with poverty recently. Those are tough people. I suppose. I'm just saying, I think you can make a legitimate argument looking at the Big Ten non-conference schedule that our non-conference game at North Carolina is the second or third toughest non-conference game in the entire co- uh, conference, with the exception of Ohio State. Doesn't Purdue have Syracuse and Virginia Tech? Uh, both at home, I That's believe. Still, too. I mean, who knows if Virginia, Virginia Tech's going to be? And I'm and Virginia, Virginia, and, and Virginia Tech's not that good. The Syracuse, I mean, Syracuse. Who the hell knows? Syracuse is good this year. Dino Babers was about to get fired after the last three years, so who knows what Syracuse will be. Uh, Ohio State gets Notre Dame again, which admittedly that game looked a lot tougher six weeks ago. Um, but I'm just, either way, I mean, I, we our at North Carolina game is tougher than probably any school in the West, other than if you want to make that Syracuse or Virginia Tech argument for Purdue. So, um, and obviously non-conference games don't count when it comes to standings or things like that when it comes to the West. But um, I think if Minnesota is going to win the West in the last year of Big Ten divisions, it's going to be uh, an epic miracle. Let's just leave it at that. So long story short, Andy's got a lot of problems with this Big Ten schedules, and you're going to hear about it. <coughs> the thing is, it's, it's, it is the exact same schedule, except with some dates that we were originally supposed to have in 2023. So as I, I believe, as, as Ben Dawson, our, our uh, white speed receiver pointed out on Twitter, nobody can really complain about the schedule because it's what the schedule originally was going to be. It's not like we intentionally got screwed. I mean, we were going to get hit with this no matter what. Um, it's just, it's, it, this wouldn't be the best ideal time for those, uh, those tough games to flip around and all line up on our schedule in the same year. But uh, that will be up to, to PJ Fleck and others to uh, get this team ready to not fall flat on their face and, and not, you know, potentially miss a bowl in 2023, which um, would not be great depending upon how this season ends with him potentially already getting in a bit of hot water. Andy, I love you, but the words missing a bowl shouldn't be coming out of your mouth 
in October of 22 about a 2023 schedule. I mean, it's the Halloween. It's the Halloween episode. Everyone's got to have a horse. Give yourself a day and breathe, buddy. Give yourself we'll a day just, and breathe. We'll just remember that this is being recorded. So uh, in December of 2023, we can look back on this, and either I'll be the ass or I'll be the genius. We'll hope it's the first one and not the second one. And I am overblowing this, but, you know, that's what we do when we just look at random things on paper rather than real life. I will be honest, Andy. I never look at random things on paper and think you an ass. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a compliment or I'm really not sure the, where to go with that one. The tone Which of the compliment, a- but the, the content, I don't know if it matched up as, as well, but I mean, I, I'm sure I'll leave it open for interpretation. Just to use that segue to complain about being ass, I'm just going to complain right now. I was really looking forward to watching Antoine Winfield Jr. have to guard Rashad Bateman in the NFL on Thursday night. (laughs) But thanks to another concussion, that's not going to happen. So that's ass. All right, I'm done. These kids and their their damn concussions. What a good good segment. We'll we'll introduce, introduce you a segment, That's Ass. The latest segment from the Daily Gopher podcast. We've had what we enjoy laughing at. We talked about movies. Now we're just we're adding something new. I'm excited for the sound effect that comes along with it. I will search for something that is not too flatulent. As far as I'm concerned, that is ass. It, 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 it's almost like you can tell we really need some good news on the football side before this doesn't just go into the tank completely in November. I mean, th- look, I'm I think I do a better job of remaining even keeled than anyone, but things are not feeling awesome. And a win would cleanse the palate quite a bit. All right. Well, a a team that has won games recently, including over very good opponents, is men's hockey. Split with UND and Andy. That, of course, was where you were on Saturday night, was watching uh, uh, the Gophers take on the uh, fighting... um, whatever they choose to call themselves is wrong. So the fighting Hawks, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about how you're feeling about this team coming out of a big rivalry weekend? Yeah. You know, I mean, it was, it was a, a bit of an up and down weekend, uh, but they played North Dakota really tough. I mean, I guess up and down is probably even being too harsh. Minnesota dominated North Dakota for probably all of about eight minutes of the two games they played. Um, the problem was in those eight minutes they didn't dominate, they were really, really bad. <laughs> um, the, the Gophers picked up a big 3-2 win on, on Friday in overtime, uh, but they could not put the puck in the net. They trailed the entire game um, until they finally got a, a big tying goal by Mason Nevers with about a minute and a half left in the third period, and then Matthew Nyes doing absolute beast mode to get the game winner in overtime. Uh, gave the Gophers a 3-2 win there. Uh, Saturday night, Bob Motzko decided to go with the backup goalie, Owen Bartoskevich, uh, instead of Justin Close, who was very good on Friday night, which was a bit of a head-scratcher, but he said he basically wanted to throw him into the fire and see what he did. And Bartoskevich was good for about a period and a half until um, all hell basically broke loose in front of him, thanks to some creative refereeing, uh, a very good challenge of a penalty, uh, by North Dakota coach Brad Barry, which ended up getting the Gopher uh, freshman phenom Logan Cooley kicked out after a five-minute misconduct for face masking, um, and then North Dakota just absolutely destroyed the Gophers, scoring four goals in about four and a half minutes. I think all on the power play. Um, two or three of them, you could argue, 
Bartoskiewicz didn't really have anything he could do with it. Just was they were good power play goals, and the Gopher defense didn't help him. Um, the fourth goal basically flipped up in the air. Bartoskiewicz lost the puck, got flustered, and it fell down and, and was knocked in behind him. Uh, at that point, Motzkow went to the bench, yanked Bartoskiewicz, put in Justin Close, who was perfect the rest of the way until uh, North Dakota would score the OT winner. Um, after Minnesota came back in the third period to tie it up, uh, North Dakota got the winner 5-4. So it goes down as, as two overtime splits, um, which, you know, for the pair. Andy, if, if, you, if you mentioned this, I missed it. Didn't someone throw their stick in the stands? So, yeah, that uh, that would be the uh, the point. I forgot about that. Thank you for bringing me up. So Minnesota went up 2-0 on, uh, on North Dakota on Saturday night. And uh, Rhett Pitlick, after he scored the second goal, uh, decided that he was going to celebrate a bit wildly and, and basically chuck his stick into the stands, um, which a North Dakota fan promptly caught and threw it right back on the ice. Uh, unfortunately for Pitlick, the referee saw that, gave him a 10-minute misconduct, um, so he got to sit the rest of the second period, and that sort of was the changing point. I think North Dakota basically took that as the, uh, the FU, and uh, they decided to turn it on from there and got really aggressive, and then the Gophers took a few more penalties. Things got chippy, and uh, it all went downhill from there. Uh, yeah, Bob Motzko was not really a fan of that. You could see Pitlick, uh, he was he was eligible to come back in the game, but he basically sat the first half of the third period, um, Motzko basically giving him uh, effectively a benching. Um, so, But he, he said he would take care of that this week at practice, so I'm sure he got the living crap skated out of him. Um, and hopefully all's, all's good to go this weekend as the Gophers open the Big Ten season uh, in Columbus against the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, Minnesota 6-1-1 and in their last eight in Columbus. Uh, so Minnesota is a better team. They should have the full expectation of going and getting a, a road sweep to start the Big Ten season. But um, as we've seen, all it takes is a fluke goal, all it takes is a fluke penalty, and things can change. So hopefully Minnesota puts the uh, pedal to the floor and, and can get a nice opening sweep in the uh, conference season to start things off this weekend. So the Gophers remained number one after uh, the split, correct? Yeah, they remained They remained number one. Uh, St. Cloud State moved all the way up to two as they swept then to uh, Minnesota State, who the Gophers split with earlier. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's basically a mishmash the top five the top five teams are all receiving at least five or six first place votes um so it's very fluid i mean minnesota with a loss could drop as far down as third or fourth pretty easily uh if they get the sweep they'll obviously stay number one so um you know at, at this point it's it's just about uh you know doing what you can do and, and making sure you're getting as many conference points as possible as uh, the gopher non-conference uh schedule is done now until thanksgiving weekend when they head down to arizona state for the first time all right, walk me through uh, the women um, who are still number two, correct? Yes, the women are number two. Uh, they played a home-and-home home with St. Cloud State. Uh, it was a bit of a tough-fought series. It wasn't quite uh, you know, the usual Minnesota-St. Cloud State where they sort of uh, boat-raced them out of the rink. Uh, St. Cloud State played them tough. Gophers got a 4-2 a win on Friday up in St. Cloud, uh, scored the first four goals all in the first period, and then it sort of looked like they just sort of took the pressure off and, and um, hung on for a 4-2 win. And then uh, Saturday, uh, St. Cloud State scored 55 seconds into the game. The Gophers tied it up um, and it stayed 1-1 for a while until Grace Lumwinkle finally got the game winner with about four minutes left in the game. 
to give the Gophers a 2-1 win. So uh, a tough, hot-fought series, but they probably can use that as uh, they haven't had too many close games this year, and the schedule strength takes a significant upturn starting this week. Uh, it's a double hockey weekend in Columbus, as not only are the Gopher men headed out there, but the Gopher women are headed out there to face the number one-ranked Ohio State women's team. Uh, so number two versus number one in Columbus this week on the women's side. Um, and good news for Gopher fans, if you're interested, uh, looks like Fox 9 Plus in the Twin Cities has picked up Saturday's broadcast. Uh, so I believe that's a 2 o'clock face-off that will be back on local TV here in, in Minnesota. So uh, it'll be nice to see number one and number two in the country face-off. Um, but things don't get much easier for the Gophers. They get number five UMD next weekend and then a week off uh, before they head to Madison to take on the, I believe, currently number three Badgers. So once again, uh, the WCHA has four of the top five teams ranked in the country, and Minnesota is uh, getting three of them here in the next four weeks. So uh, we'll really see just how good this Gopher team is comparatively here by the time uh, Thanksgiving rolls around. Of course, everybody goes to Columbus the week that I can't go to Columbus. They would they would do that to me. That's unfair, Gophers, or I should say schedule makers. Don't do that to me again in the future. Uh, honestly, I've lost track of volleyball outside of the fact that we're <laughs> that Hugh McCutcheon is suddenly going to be an assistant AD and no longer coaching. Walk me through what's up with them, Andy. Yeah, they've, uh, you know, after we talked about roller coaster seasons, we've been talking about the Gopher Valley team for a while. Uh, they, they seem to have put things together now. Uh, they've won their last three. Uh, last week, they basically took a uh, uh, sweep at Iowa. Um, Iowa's not good at volleyball. Minnesota is. That's now 50 wins in a row for the Gophers over Iowa. Uh, Hugh McCutcheon, assuming the Gophers don't see Iowa again, which they shouldn't because Iowa's definitely not going to be an NCAA tournament team, and there is no Big Ten tournament, uh, will finish his career 17-0 and all-time against the Hawkeyes. Um, but then they had a tough uh, home match against number 12 Purdue on Saturday, and the Gophers probably played one of their best matches of the year. Um, did what they needed to, picked up a nice big 3-1 win. Uh, they are currently, as we record this on Wednesday night, playing Michigan State at the PAV right now. Uh, I saw they were up one nothing uh, after the first, and they uh, currently are winning in the second set as well. So Michigan State's not very good. The Gophers should get a uh, should get a win there. And then Saturday, uh, immediately on BTN, right after the uh, Gopher-Rutgers football game, uh, the Gophers make the return trip to Madison uh, to face the Badgers in volleyball. Minnesota swept Wisconsin back here in September. Uh, their first sweep of the Badgers since 2018, and uh, I think Wisconsin's probably out for revenge. It's all, Wisconsin's only Big Ten loss of the year, uh, although they are playing the uh, number one team in the country, Nebraska, tonight, so they may have two by the time that happens. Um, but uh, since since Hugh made his decision, the Gophers have seemed to turn things around and gotten a little bit better. Um, and as you did say, Minnesota did announce earlier this week, uh, McCutcheon, effective January 1st, is going to become an assistant athletic director and a uh, basically a leadership coach for the U, um, which is actually probably a really good thing. We've heard from several people at the U just how much, especially P.J. Fleck and other coaches have leaned on McCutcheon for experience and advice and things like that. So now he'll actually be doing that in official capacity in the athletic department. So uh, that's a win-win for for Hugh, who probably is, is sick of recruiting and traveling and things like that, and will get to be based out of the Twin Cities with his, his younger family, and for the Gophers, who will get to continue to, to rely on, on him to go in forward. So uh, good win-win there, and I just saw it come across. The Gophers just uh, picked up the second set against the Spartans. So up 2-0 early, uh, no reason why they shouldn't be able to pull off the sweep there. I just realized I forgot to ask Blake a hockey question. Blake, 
in the interest of synth- synthesis, really bringing together the bits here at um, uh, the, the, the TDG podcast, I would like to ask you a hockey question that consists of the following. Which college hockey team would be most likely to qualify for We Are Laughing and This Is Ass? Uh the, those bits where where what college hockey team would fall into both categories um i feel like maybe iowa i don't know do they have a hockey team oh god i don't know i don't know <laughs> enough about these teams no i award you no points and may god have mercy on your soul oh my god there are so many correct answers first of all there are all the actual sucky hockey teams you could have listed any of them although i'm sure they're all teams you've never heard of or und or wisconsin are right there north dakota and wisconsin are didn't right we split, there Blake. didn't we split with north dakota though? So that reflects poorly on us if we if they're ass it doesn't matter they're horrible people they are the ass and we laugh well, at now them. I, now i know now i know Oh. What what a catchphrase. They are ass and we laugh at them. <laughs> oh, I I don't I don't even I don't I, we have to end it. I mean, obviously we already did predictions, so like that works out well, but I I can't I am just going to I'm just going to interrupt you one last shout out go for soccer team uh have been unbeaten in their last five to close regular season, earned a spot in the Big Ten tournament for the first time since 2018. They get to go to uh, Sparty, uh, Michigan State, who's ranked sixth in the country for a Big Ten quarterfinal on Sunday, live on BTN, 3 o'clock. So uh, give all the the juju in the world to the Gopher soccer team, see if they can pull off an, an epic, epic upset on Sunday because they, uh, they definitely earned it in the back half of the season. So congrats to them. Yeah, hats off to them. No hats off to Blake for That's that answer. That's fair, I accept it. None. There's definitely going to be uh, – people who are listening to this will have already heard it. The uh, I award you no points and God may have mercy on your soul. That is going to be inserted because no. no in, my, in, my, in my defense, Bad all the Blake. questions are usually related to Minnesota. So I was that's where my head was at. So you threw me a curveball when you said name another team. I was like, I don't know. I don't know enough about the college hockey landscape to know – who we should be shitting on, but now I know there are only five. There are only five other Division One teams in the state of Minnesota that you could should have picked, but instead you picked Iowa. And yeah, I I accept my fate. All right, friends, uh, thank you for listening to another edition of the Sky U Podcast by the Daily Gopher. Uh, palate cleanser, for the love of God, please be around the corner in the form of Rutgers. Um, more content of course coming to you live on the blog and in the meantime go gophers sky you ma row the boat go gophers row the boat